Hello my finest of friends and welcome to another edition of Raha Lustup, a book club this week starring the writer best known for High Heels and Low Lives. Also she's written uh, for a show called Succession, a show called Veep, a show called The Thick of It. Not as good as High Heels, Low Lives though is it? It's Georgia Pritchett. It's She's a fantastic writer, very funny woman and her new book, My Mess is a Bit of a Life, uh, is well worth your time. It's a lot of fun and also quite sad as well. Um, do check out richardherring.com slash gigs or richardherring.com for news of upcoming Rahalastapa records. We're at the Phoenix in June and July and we're at the Edinburgh Fringe in August, August the 3rd to August the 14th. Some very exciting names already announced. Please buy a ticket and come and see us live. We're back at the Leicester Square Theatre in September, October and November as well. So lots of opportunity to see the show live. And if you like Twitch of fun, we're going to be doing one of those on June the 13th at the Phoenix as well. Anyway, let's sit back, relax and enjoy Rahalastapa with Georgia Pritchett. Welcome to another Rahalastapa book club. My guest this week is Georgia Pritchett and she has written a book called My Mess is a Bit of a Life. I think she's made a mistake on the front cover. <laughs> Hello Georgia, how are you doing? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. Good, it's lovely to see you. Uh, we did cross paths a few times in our lives. Uh, yes. Largely at the radio light entertainment corridor in about 1992 or three. Yeah. So when did you start? 1991, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well... For people who don't aren't aware of you, Georgia, which can hardly be anyone, <laughs> how would you describe yourself? Oh gosh, <laughs> um, a puny human uh, who, yes, small curly hair, uh, writer, confused human pile of meat. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, that's pretty much what the book's about. That's, <laughs> so that's good. And you're a, you're a, you've written on some amazing uh, projects, including High Heels of Low Lives, which is uh, my, my favourite one, which you briefly mentioned in the book, uh, but also things like Succession and Beat. You're doing okay. You're doing all right Thank you. uh, as a writer. So congratulations Thank on you. your success. Uh, and do you want to tell us about uh, the book and, uh, well, what... How did it come about? What is what is? What, how would you describe your book? Um, I mean, yes, that's an excellent question. I think <laughs> uh, yes, people have said, "Why did I decide to write it?" And I, my only answer is a terrible lapse in judgment or <laughs> lockdown madness, um, because I think you know what I love about being a scriptwriter um, is that you literally put words in other people's mouths and you're completely anonymous um so to write something so personal and so direct is uh in many ways horrifying and, <laughs> and possibly a terrible error um but yeah i i after all these years i suddenly thought maybe it's time for some a bit of brutal honesty and uh, well it, it is it is a very honest book so the book starts with you being advised to write everything down by your therapist is that generally what ha happened or is that a, a conceit to get you into this no it's it's general genuinely what happened and and the um I was I was kind of it 
at crisis point and the title is actually also true that I went to the doctors and I meant to say my life is a bit of a mess and said my mess is a bit of a life and that seemed yeah. <laughs> uh, more true um, and yeah I think you know I love words I'm all about the words I'm a writer it's my thing but suddenly maybe it's from being a comedy writer which as you know really means you have to be very emotionally uninvolved and dysfunctional and and weird but I just um, I just couldn't find the words to describe what was going on. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, if I couldn't sort of make a joke out of it, I couldn't think how to communicate it. Uh, so, yeah, so this therapist said, you should write it down. I thought, yeah, I'm definitely not going to do that. <laughs> uh, and, but, yeah, I'd, I started thinking uh, this will, I'll, get to a couple of pages and that'll be it but um uh it became I sort of became fascinated by the by the experience of writing this sort of very personal thing after hiding in plain sight for so long um yes and yes yeah, yeah. So- well, it's, it is terrific. I mean, it's an interesting way of writing because you're obviously, it's like a little fractured bits of memory almost of the chapters. Are, well, they're, often there's a, some things that are just like a couple of lines yeah. or some some of the chapters, if we call them chapters, are a couple of lines, some of them yeah. are a page or two pages, but they're just little memories throughout your life. So it's an autobiography of a kind, yeah. but whilst taking us through, I mean, some traumatic and some, um, some I mean, it's it's a very funny book though it's 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 also uh there's moments that uh are very very upsetting and very uh and, and traumatic things for you, that you personally have gone through but you um you it, it's largely like darkly funny right yes it's, i mean it's 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 sort of the plus point is it's very short it's basically a lengthy tweet um <laughs> and and i think yeah it, it's um the sort of short chapters, if you if they even qualify as chapters, is not so much a sort of literary choice as just kind of embracing my limitations as a writer. And I think having been a scriptwriter for so long, my brain just sees things in terms of scenes. So it's it's essentially just lots of scenes from my yeah. life. And uh, and yeah, to your point, I, I I got really interested in how memory works. And uh, while I was writing it, I read this thing that we only ever remember anything once did you know that no yeah apparently the way our brains work is that we remember everything once and then every time after that we remember remembering it um so in a way we're all constantly kind of writing our own memoirs and sort of honing our life story and uh and our origin stories so and I just when I was writing I wanted to sort of stay true to the the kind of impressionistic nature of of memory and not sort of imbue my childhood self with any kind of hindsight or adult wisdom such as it is so um yeah it was fun fun to kind of remember that that sort of feeling where you witness things or experience things but you don't really get the the full meaning or the see the big picture yeah, no, you def- that's definitely really. I, I love that about it. Oh, and I love the fact that it is, you know, the, our memories of our own lives are fractured in this way, and that you do, you know, you tend to recall those moments. And there's obviously vast swathes of stuff in between that 
you might know what happened or you might have an idea of what happened, but it's but it is when you think back to your childhood, especially and the childhood stuff is 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 great because I think what well, it's a great sort of um uh you know you you are you're a it's a great example of of what a writer is I think and certainly what a comedy writer is isn't that your that your observations are that even that you're having as a child are very the things you're picking out to remember and the things that you're observing are very much from a comedy writer's point of view, <laughs> but also the but you're as the point of the book, I suppose, is that you've uh, you have this you know anxiety about life, which I think under you know I I obviously <laughs> I empathise with a lot of this as a as a writer myself and sort of being bewildered in the face of life. Yes, seems like the see, but it seems like the correct response. I mean, when you're a when you're a child, especially because you don't know the full facts but even yeah. so even as you become an adult if you if you're properly examining life it's ridiculous and insane and yeah uh and and you should be anxious <laughs> yes yes exactly which, which, you, which you are but by but you managed to find the the funny stuff out and do you think so i mean because it's memories of memories maybe do you think because the, the thing early on that you think well that can't be that can't really have happened georgia is when your dad comes to pick you up from nursery and has forgotten says he's forgotten your name. Yes. I mean, no. he, he might he might have said that, right? But he did. He, he can't have forgotten your name, really. He really yeah. did. He No, this is all <laughs> absolutely true. He he absolutely did. And he, um, the, when he was trying to remember my name, the best he could come up with was Emily's friend. And um, for a while, I did sort of think about writing the book because I'm shy and didn't want to sort of come out with all this stuff, I did think about writing the book under the name Emily S. Friend um, <laughs> as a pseudonym. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean that's it's sort of it's funny, but it's it's sort of heartbreaking, and I mean it's a it's a it's a real sort of you get a real view of this. Mark, uh, I mean, I'm not you. You're sort of happy enough, right? But he, but you're. But but you're a, a, a person who likes to be solid. The thing you, the, on the back is that is the idea you went to a party and you're happy because you had cake, but you didn't join in any of the party games. Yes, which again I can really empathise. <laughs> yeah, well, which I think maybe a lot of comedians can. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I think absolutely. I mean, it, it, you know, I think I just come from a long line of baffled worried people so it's uh yeah it wasn't uh it's not a sort of misery memoir it's uh I I uh I I was just sort of as you say appropriately overwhelmed and bewildered by um the strangeness of life but they're you know they're just lovely um I think the things that you know the 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 stories that come out and it's having an imaginary friend who found you tiresome I think that's (laughs) really interesting I really love the story about the woodwork teacher at your school who had a car car he wanted to get rid of but then just sawed it up and threw it in the bin bit by bit and I think again like someone to to remember that and to understand you know to have the the perspective to see why that's funny as well it's it's but it's just so that sort of nascent comedy writer in you coming through of yeah I, mean, that's, I, I don't know if it, it, it is it's 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 a really weird book to get into because you, you feel a little bit sad but you're laughing and you feel a bit <laughs> you feel a bit sorry for you in a way but <laughs> but but while still while still while still sort of backing you so it's a it's a it's a really interesting way of getting into something and and again I think like most good things it takes a little while to 
really tune into the the wavelength of it. But once you're into the wavelength of it, I think it's uh, it's a very very satisfying <laughs> book. I think to to read because um, yeah. And did so as you as you um, went into the the more personal details of your of your adult life was did was was that. Was that harder to talk about than than the the childhood stuff, or was it once you'd got going? Did you think we're, we're I'm going to be open about everything? It well, yeah, it was it was hard because I think two things. I uh, I don't know if you have this, but this, you know, if you're a comedy writer, I think it's easy to think that your job is to be happy, uh, and so admitting to anything else feels dangerous and scary, um, and. Um, yeah, I I think it's, I mean, friends who've known me all my life have sort of told me they've only known like 80% of what's in the book. So I've, I've always been a very private person and coming from a sort of classic middle class English family where we never talk about personal things, I was very worried uh, about what my family would say. But of course, what's happened is We've never talked about it, so it's worked out really well. (laughs) I haven't had to have any difficult conversations. (laughs) So yeah, Um, yeah, but it's it's it is it is interesting. I think, and as because as a stand-up comedian, I'm sort of a foot in both camps because obviously I'm a writer, but also I've done some performing, and you know, it's it's a slightly different totally world, isn't it? To to, and you don't you don't do your own audio, but for example, so you don't you don't feel comfortable as. Uh, as a performer, exactly no. necessarily, which it does does make things a, a little bit different. But um, but you know, I think it is you are filled with those 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 feelings, and, and I think the thing that the the inner critic that you have that you talk about this sort of uh, Muppet, the old guys in the Muppets, yes, uh, every, that, that every uh, what Waldorf and Statler and Waldorf, Statler, yeah. Statler and Waldorf, um, they uh, they you have the, you have a basically an inner monologue criticizing everything you're doing, yes, uh, as you go through. Um, which you know, I think we all do. Yeah. Although, how do they? How are they reacting to you being? Are they managing to criticise <laughs> Succession and Veep? They must. They must find it difficult to now have a go at you. Those inner critics. I think. I think they can still manage it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and also I think you know, as as you know, with comedy, what's sort of exciting and terrifying about comedy is people feel so strongly about it, don't they? They don't kind of yeah. go. Oh, I don't. I didn't mind it. They always either love it or hate. It. And so, as well as my inner critics, I've had plenty of outer <laughs> critics who've written terrible reviews of every single thing I've ever written. So, um, yeah, it's good. It's good to to know that there are people out there who just <laughs> hate everything you've ever done. It's, it's very think, grounding. Yeah, but- I mean, but that's the thing. I think people on Twitter feel the need to tell you, and you kind of go, "You're not going to say anything worse than I've said to <laughs> yeah, myself." So they're not they're not coming. So that I think that you know that's always going to be a part. I think of, except the there are a few creative people I think who would basically believe that they're always right and nothing that, that they can do is wrong and that they're perfect. But that they're and usually they're either the greatest or the worst yeah. performers or writers of all time. Uh, I find it, you know, it is an interesting. If you just took the autobiography of a, as a as a writer, say, so I think that without the the, the personal side of it, if you looked at it, looking at the professional side of it, I think it's kind of interesting. You sort of made different choices than I did, and I think your, but I think your way was the best way to do it. So, like, I think like by being a writer, the job is re- as a because 
I was, you know, a writer comedian, so I was often offered work and think, well, will I take this job? Because well, how will that affect the view of people as me as a comedian? So I'd often yeah. turn things down. But I think actually it's the absolute right thing. And and the only way thing you can do really as a writer is to take the work when it comes up. Yeah. So there's jo- there's jobs you worked on that, you know, compared to Succession and Veep seem like on the other side of the coin. <laughs> but you'll have yeah. learned so much doing doing those doing those shows yes. and by taking everything. And what I really like about it is that there's a there's a lot of defensive, uh, you know, a lot of there's because you worked in so many different things. I, I, you know, you worked on the real McCoy and the Lenny Henry show, which again, you just talk about not being a natural fit, but because you're a woman, you're a minority. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they found you fit to do. But I think your 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 uh, defense of those shows is a uh, defense of Lenny Henry is or or you know the both of of uh, the way he's viewed and the way women writers are viewed, I think is, is really interesting, but um, which we might talk about again in a second, but uh, you know, you worked on things like the Spice Girls movie, <laughs> yes, which, uh, which, you know, some people might've said uh, no to, but I think again, by doing that, Hey, you've got some, you've got an amazing story in the book about it for a start, <laughs> but I presume you learn more on a job like that. And, and, and also you end up meeting people who, who, you know, give you work further down the line. Yes. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, that's nice of you to say because I think there are times when you're just saying yes to everything and whoring yourself around when you <laughs> just feel so dirty and used. But but um, I think it does hopefully add up to a, to sort of you do learn things, you know, with everything. Well, job I think you do. I, that's what I think you see the progression of it, and you kind of think, oh, you know, mate, you know, as a writer, I just oh God, maybe if I'd done some of those things that I did, you know, I would have met someone or I'd have just. I'd have been a little bit out of my own bubble and you'd, you know, yeah. you, you're in something else. and you learn, you know, you learn by writing. I think you, you sort of talk about that yourself, you know, yeah. but, you, but you learn by writing on those things. Yeah. And, you know, and most of them, and if something doesn't work out, most people don't, you know, no one remembers high heels and low lives. They? No one remembers that. <laughs> you can comfortably walk down the street and say, I wrote that. No, no one knows either way, whether it was good or bad. Exactly. Was it good? Was it good or bad, George? <laughs> there were some excellent moments in it <laughs> <laughs> that you wrote, but yeah, but again, and 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 you were bizarrely, even though you're starting in the early nineties, you were sort of the only woman in the room for most of your career. So, like, it's only in recent jobs and going to America and working on these American shows yeah. that you found yourself in writers' rooms with with another woman. Yeah, and so. That that's that's sort of a, a, an astonishing thing to even for me really to I mean you know I think about it and go yes that's true I'm looking at week ending and there yeah. was you know there was maybe two female writers on it and then the other one you mentioned in the book is, is Debbie Barham who's uh, was uh, very sadly died very young yeah. um, uh, but uh, you know is, is there. Do you, do you think things are are improving? Is it is it go, is it going to from now on in? Is it going to? I really hope so. I mean, I I didn't know anything different, and I loved all the men I worked with. So, um, yeah, I did sort of think, where where are all the other women? Um, and it, and it wasn't for twenty five years until I until I wrote with another woman. Um, that's just that's just sort of insane though yeah and I was shocked actually at how thrilling that was I I kind of thought (laughs) oh I'm fine it's all right but there's something about sort of sitting opposite people who kind of look a bit like you and dress a bit like you and have similar life experiences that is incredibly 
exciting and and must be how it is to be a white man every minute of every day when you walk in any room or turn on the tv and and um and you know hopefully things are changing now i mean i would say you know there's writer performers uh you know have like michaela cole and phoebe waller bridge and sharon horgan have written some fantastic shows although that's come from a place where they've thought I'm not being written good enough roles. So they've kind of written them themselves. Uh, but I think that's making a difference. But I would, you know, I, it's funny, isn't it? I think when you're in comedy, I try not to criticise other comedies because even if I don't find them funny, I'm glad they exist and that other people find them funny. And, you know, it's hard making people laugh. So I'm, you know, hats off to anyone doing it. Yeah. But I do sort of feel it makes me a bit sad when I see something like Mrs. Brown's Boys because I think that's a man in a dress pretending to be a woman. And wouldn't it be great if there was a mainstream sitcom that had gone on for that long that just was a woman in the lead rather than a man pretending to be a woman in the lead? You know, it feels like in 2022 that feels a bit of a shame. It um, does. I mean, it would be okay if there were some other one, you know, if there were other ones and this was one and yes. there were five other shows, you know, it's, it's exactly that it is. Um, but uh, yeah, well, you know, hopefully, it, it, but I, you know, I just sort of think that it's sort of insane that, you know, you exactly what you're saying. You get five university educated white men. They're not going to give you that much different stuff. It, it is. I mean, I've very rarely been in writer's rooms. I did a writer's room and I actually got uh, kicked off it in the end. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Because uh, I was because because now it's prejudices against white men and also I wasn't very good but that's not the point um, but um, but you know you, you the, just by having some different experience you know the different yeah. experiences you would think that's going to make this sitcom or whatever especially a sitcom with lots of characters yeah if I don't know, you can obviously a writer can put themselves in the in the minds of different people but it would be helpful just go oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I've got well. I, think, I love that story in in, in Veep, and that you're, you've suffered from uh, sort of anxiety, nosebleeds, and then that becomes this big moment in in yes. Veep that nobody nobody else would have thought <laughs> of that that moment other than someone it's happened to. So if you you know if you get enough experience, <laughs> yeah, you'll find you'll find the perfect thing uh, the perfect thing to do. Um, yeah. I love this. I mean, there's there's I love the story about you and Ronnie Corbett exchanging. <laughs> Scripts and money in a lay-by, yes. which, which again just doesn't sound like it could be true. So tell, <laughs> tell us, tell, tell us about that, and tell yeah, me if that is that's that is completely true. true. Yes, I was. <laughs> um, I my phone rang, and uh, this voice said it's Ronnie Corbett, and I was working, you know, with on, obviously on weekending, spitting me working with quite a few impressionists, so just assumed it was a wind-up, but it was actually Ronnie um, asking me to write some jokes. Um, and this was back in the days of faxes, but of course, because I was writing on weekending and getting eight pounds a joke, I, I didn't have a fax. So uh, I was living in Peckham and he was living in Croydon. So we agreed to meet in Streatham in a lay-by and uh, I drove up in my very banged up mini and he drove up in this incredible Bentley and we sort of both got out of our cars and I handed him a a brown envelope full of jokes and he handed me a brown envelope full of cash and it was very gangster or as close to gangster as I'm ever going to get. 
<laughs> but with Ronnie Corbett in there. So it's so ama- amazing to think that it's lovely that he did that, yeah. that he that he did that himself and that he came out. <laughs> I mean, if it had been any of the other entertainers in the world, you might have been in trouble. But luckily, it was Ronnie. Exactly. Corbett, so, so you were fine. Um, oh dear, yeah, that was great. Um, and uh, yeah, it's well, but also like this, it's sort of because you're you, you're obviously. Um, they're obviously going through troubles and are troubled, uh, and some you've got some reasons to be unhappy. And I have to say, there's some there's there's uh, as with uh, Rachel Paris's book, there's uh, some, a very um, moving story about uh, miscarriage in this book as well. Um, but but lots of things going on. But your your career is sort of going so well in a way. Is it was it was it not? I mean, was it was that not? important to you or did you not did, was writing it down did it make you think actually life is pretty good because there's lots of great things also going on in your personal life or did did you get a kind of get a sense because you're so successful uh as a writer um I don't think you, you ever know, you, feel successful do you? you always feel oh I could you know I want to be better or I could be better sure. should be better um but I think it definitely helped actually I think yeah. um it's very easy uh when you're in the middle of the sort of chaos of life to give yourself a hard time and think I should be a better person writer partner mother but there's something about writing it down maybe a bit like you know writing a script where you almost treat yourself as a character and and I always feel very fondly towards characters I write so I found a bit of a shred of compassion for myself (laughs) in my cold black heart and um but also, as you say, I think, you know, it's funny, there's this sort of weird axis where as my career started to go better, having really sort of struggled and, and there's a long trudge across a tundra in many ways of writing for some terrible shows with awful people and having difficult experiences. But at, just as that sort of took off, um my sort of uh I became much more sort of troubled and and a lot of yeah. things happened uh in a row that that I had trouble coping with so so just as it kind of got really good I was really struggling and so actually sort of write, writing it down it was helpful to kind of think oh there's you know that was that was a great yeah. experience I wasn't expecting to have I think I say in the book there's there's this um, moment where everything's pretty terrible, but I have to go um, to America and actually to the White House and I have to get a visa and on my visa it says uh, something like an alien with extraordinary ability. And I just think (laughs) at the time I was too sort of, uh, I was struggling too much to appreciate it, but now I think, oh, that's pretty cool. Like if someone had said to me when I was 11, when you grow up, you're going to be an alien with extraordinary ability, I would have been absolutely thrilled. So, Yes, well, and it is sort of a description of a comedy writer as well. Yes. Yeah. That is, that is that's so lovely. And you're working with Michelle Obama yeah. when you were doing so, and riffing with Michelle Obama. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. And, you know, especially when you think of Weekend, Ending, you know, like, and and you were there at the same time as me, and it was, you know, it was very difficult to spot the people who were just in there so they could get out of the cockpit, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and who didn't have a house to live in. Uh, from the from the people who would go on to be Hollywood superstars or write for Hollywood superstars. Yeah. I mean, you you know, it's sort of a very strange thing when you look back at it and think of 
you know, both the talent in that room and the and the eccentrics in that room. Yeah. And it's it's a Venn diagram yeah. where yeah. most people are both, yes. but or the or the successful people are both. But uh, it's you know, it's it's yeah, it's 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 it's. I think as a as a just as a biography, an autobiography of a writer, this somehow completely nails it without without you know with with this this little fractured look at things as you go. It, yeah. it, almost less is more. It's re- it's really it's a beautifully uh, written and and it's just it's very funny. I um, I think the self loathing outweighs the name dropping. <laughs> I hope, but, um, but but the name drop, but also because you know you know we know you know you get an idea of who you are, uh, and you know I think the the name dropping is still it, it's it's sort of extraordinary that your journey would take you to the same place as Michelle Obama's yeah. journey for but for perfectly justifiable <laughs> yes. and that you would have that power to be to be writing uh, yeah for, for and I think that what sort of always uh bit sort of been so true as I've I've got older is realizing you know particularly when working on the thick of it and veep you know both sort of politicians in this country and then when I was at the White House everyone's saying oh my god oh my god it's so true to life and you sort of thinking oh shit I thought it was a (laughs) massive exaggeration um but I think what's been great is just realizing that always life is a better joke writer than I or you or anyone could ever be and you know Veep we sort of had this kind of awful ruthless lying venal monster of a president female which obviously could never happen we realize now but of a president (laughs) and then Trump got in and and just overnight you know our fictional president had uh, a sense of shame and and overnight that suddenly seems so twee and old-fashioned that we had to to stop making beeps not not the worst thing that Trump's done but um <laughs> but it was so interesting then you know we stopped yeah. making veep and then Trump uh had his presidency and I was actually in the states for the last election when Rudy Giuliani gave that press conference in front of Four Seasons Total Landscaping. And it was just like, I would never have thought of that joke in a million. (laughs) That is so brilliant between a porn shop and whatever the other thing was. It was just (laughs) perfection. And you just realise always that that truth is going to be better at at drama and at comedy than than we could ever be. (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe, but, uh, you know, the incredible shows nonetheless. Um, And I I listened on audiobook, which you did not, as we said, you did not do the audiobook yourself, Catherine Parkinson, which is a, uh, I think a, a pretty good uh, replacement. <laughs> You're not going to have yourself. She was. She. She. Did, well, it's. A, I. I think it's. I always like to hear the author doing the audio book because I think. Um, you know they know the text, but obviously it's not always going to happen. Yeah. Um. Was Was it ever an option that you were going to do it yourself or? Never. I mean, no one wants to listen to my monotonous reedy voice banging on, and uh, <laughs> I was. I was really so. Uh, excited that Catherine did it she did a great job yeah she really I mean she really did do a very I mean it's 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 difficult because um you know obviously someone might miss the tone of it entirely or or uh 
or or miss the jokes. Yeah. And and she she I mean she's obviously a fantastic actor yeah. and uh, person not so good at Taskmaster, <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> but she's it's uh, a lovely reading. Um, so I, I yeah it was. Uh, it was a job, but I, I don't know. I mean, I hope you know people are listening to you talk for an hour now. It's not much longer than that. Yeah, well, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, was so. Did you have that? Were you writing this down, and then I noticed you. You uh, thank Joe Unwin for persuading you to put it in the books. Was did you? Did you? Were you not thinking of publishing it, or you were? were you was. How how did the actual publication come about? Yeah, I mean that I really thought it would it would never happen and then never go out. And Joe Unwin, somewhere on the spectrum of sort of uh, encouraging, bullying, <laughs> blackmailing, I don't, I'm not sure where on that spectrum. That's what Joe Unwin was doing and and sort of uh, made it happen. Um, so. Yeah, it's still I still can't yeah. kind of get used to the fact that it's out there. And does has it whetted your appetite to do more books or? Um, I I think scripts are so much easier to be honest. I mean, I don't feel I could write a novel because I hate describing things. <laughs> I just find it too much of a responsibility, and I don't know enough adjectives. Um, I, even on scripts, I, I, I'm, people always complain I don't do enough stage directions. So, uh, okay. um, yeah, I'm not sure. But I did, it's really, I don't know if you found this, like when you do a script, you get a million notes from a million people and you do endless drafts. And with a book, when I sort of, when Joe wrestled it out of my <laughs> grip, I sort of thought, oh, well, maybe when I've sort of completely changed the beginning and rewritten the middle and then done a different end and, you know, it'll be all right. But they were just like, okay, thanks, yeah, print. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, wait, I've, I need to work on it for another 10,000 drafts. But it's not like Yeah, it is weird. It isn't really, yeah, there's not the end. I, I found that was definitely... Uh... My book, the How Not to Grow Up, I kind of really thought, oh, you know, he'll come back with loads of stuff. I've really just scribbled this down. And he came back with like four or five main things, yeah. like about just ordering. And then that was, yeah. then I was going, what, you're just going to, you're just going to put out the rest <laughs> yeah. of that stuff? But uh, it is, you know, you've got, the more you do, the more you kind of get, well, you get a little bit better, and but but the more you you kind of find the way of doing it, I think. But yeah, it is, it's a very, but I but I sort of like that. I like the being left alone and, yeah. uh, and finding that rather than with, with TV scripts. I mean, but also with TV scripts, you have to please so many people yeah. with the book. With a book, you know, if someone says they want to do it, then it, that that's enough. Yeah, really. it doesn't yeah. have to. It doesn't have to, and then it then it happens. Yeah. Whereas what I found frustrating with script writing, which I also love, but I've just you know had so few scripts actually made, um, is you know it's exactly that that you put your heart and soul into something and then it doesn't happen, yeah. and then that's just the worst thing. Yeah. And so it's very hard. If you're not having success after success, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's very hard to put you know to put yourself through that again. And I know you've I know you've experienced both sides of the coin on that. And I know that you've uh, that you've had your years of uh, struggling through before. Uh, do you still is it still if you come up with a script idea is it is it still as hard to pitch it now or does or do people go okay we'll we'll do it straight away? No, no, it's still I find it it's really hard. I mean, it's so different in this country and America. In this country, you sort of shuffle into a room and mumble and apologise while someone with folded arms glares at you. And then in America, they kind of, you know, 
uh, want you to sort of come in and do the sort of act out the whole thing, which is terrifying. Um, but yeah, no, it doesn't get any easier, and, and I still get as emotionally involved. And uh, and I, and still, it's funny actually with Succession, which which for the first kind of season or two, you know, no one was really watching. I think it was lockdown that that made people watch it. Um, and it was interesting because people sort of now have decided it was a, an instant success, which it wasn't at all. And in the first season, um, I wrote this episode uh, set on Thanksgiving. Um, and I got such... So as you know, sort of mo uh, certainly at the beginning, Succession was written by largely by a sort of group of shambolic, scruffy British comedy writers. Um, and there was some sort of trepidation felt uh, in some quarters about whether we could pull off a sort of high-end, glossy American drama. And yeah. we absolutely couldn't in some ways because we had no idea what it was like to be rich. Um, and we were just thrilled that HBO were paying for our pret sandwiches. And so they had to get this rich consultant on to um, <laughs> tell us what it was like and I'd written this episode set on Thanksgiving and I had a sort of well first of all I had someone wearing a coat and the, and the guy was like rich people don't wear coats they go from their car to their jet to their building you know their their shoes don't touch ground it's always carpet and <laughs> and then I'd written in this Thanksgiving episode that Marsha uh, Logan's wife sort of said right you know it's lunchtime I've made turkey and they were like oh my god you know she wouldn't know where the kitchen was she wouldn't deign to talk about turkey and um, <laughs> so then I did a rewrite and sort of thought right you know concentrate this time so I sort of put maids in maids uniforms as sort of serving turkey and then he was like, oh, my God, you know, where did you get the idea that there are maids in maids' uniforms? And I was sort of saying, I don't know, maybe porn or racist Tom and Jerry cartoons. I don't know. But, yeah, apparently it's um, very handsome young men in chinos and polo shirts. Uh, okay. To do that. Well, presume, presumably you're so successful now that you have all that, those things. I, pre I presume you fly everywhere by helicopter now. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, that's the actors all had to be taught not to duck as they got in and out of the helicopter because rich right. people don't duck. Right. <laughs> right. It's you know it is it, it is uh, it's extraordinary, but it's um, yeah it's it's. It's uh, it's it's it's, a, it's such a brilliant series. I'm very I'm very you know, and it is it is great to see <laughs> all these people who are on the light entertainment corridor, as well as some other people, uh, doing so well and 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 uh, and uh, being in Hollywood. And you know, Peter Bainham was always yes. my, you know, is the, from what he from from going for that little groveling man eating uh, <laughs> trifles he was making in his mouth to being a Hollywood superstar. It's kind of you know. You're never going to, you couldn't have guessed. It would be interesting to go back and, and look. You would never have, I mean, you wouldn't have really thought any of those people were going to be yeah. successful. I know. I um, remember uh, actually being in the flat you shared with Peter Bainham. Oh, yes. I think we were on a date. I don't know if he realised it, but I did. Uh, <laughs> and you came back sort of in the middle of it and uh, right. really <laughs> embarrassed us both. Um uh, oh, I don't remember. Happy memory. I, sh I, sh I should remember because Pete didn't have many girls back. So <laughs> I should. I should. 
should, I should remember that. I sadly don't remember. I was mainly drunk throughout the nineties. Yeah, uh, the you were 90s. drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember very much, which made me laugh. Um, I mean, you know, so do you think writers? I, mean, I always, you know, writers are so much. Um, they, they, I mean, they're literally the genesis of of all sort of these dramas and TV, and and they get very little recognition for that. Does that? I mean, it probably doesn't bother. You. Does it bother you? I don't know. Does it? Do you feel like no. none of this would happen without you? No, I mean, it's weird over here. We certainly get treated with no respect and utter disdain and, and sort of ignored and like a sort of unpleasant sort of thing that has to happen, you know, and the scripts are sort of snatched from us and then they never want to see us again. But in America, you get treated with total respect and it's, it's so yes. unnerving and unsettling. It's really odd. Um, so yeah they have a completely different and they want you on set and they want to know what you think and they want you know it's uh it's yeah it's bizarre so why have you come back are you you at home now i'm presuming are you back in the uk why have you come back why aren't you living in america (laughs) well you know this is where i live we write succession here and we we used we wrote most of veep here and obviously thick of it so yeah, I do like it there. It's fun fun to uh to go there and visit. Um but yeah, this is where where my home is and my family, so Yes. Well you you haven't changed, which is good to see. I mean, you know, you haven't become effective, I mean, by your Oh, I'm success. a total monster. I'm just disguising it. <laughs> well look, the but the book's the book is absolutely terrific and everyone should read it and it and it, I think it's a very it's very honest about yourself. Um if anything, like not well. If if anything, you're too down on yourself. I think. But um, uh, but then that is why you know it's that's why you are what you are. It's sort of slightly upsetting to realise as a writer that you need to have a have a have this different way of looking at the world for it to work out. It's yeah. what it's what makes it exciting. But I think you know it does. I'm, I'm very glad that you've you've got through uh, the issues that the book was dealing with them very i know and i think it's i think maybe as a stand-up comedian um i was saying this in the last week's show is that is that you know you end up writing quite personally about yourself more than you do as a writer Definitely. so i think you so i've always found it like so helpful to get through whatever the problem is that, that i'm going through to write comedy about it and then go oh and a year later you go oh yeah that really that was very therapeutic so i kind of completely get why this writing this book would have helped and yeah. it's great that you know, and it's great that it, it it makes it a great book as well because it starts and finishes in the same place, yeah. and it, and it and and it's and it's worked as a as a result of you doing it. Yeah. Um, Good. I, I'm gonna I'm going to ask you a new thing that I'm going to ask in each episode is: Are there any books that you would recommend that you haven't written that you're reading <laughs> at the moment? Yes, uh, I'm reading Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason, which is absolutely brilliant. Uh, have you heard of that one? I haven't. I don't know much about books. Okay. I don't know why I'm doing a book podcast. <laughs> I don't really. I don't I hardly ever read novels. Is that a novel? It is. Yeah, it's really. Yeah, yeah. It's really yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, I I recently read My Sister the Serial Killer, which is also really funny and really brilliant. Um, and I just started this uh, book called I think it's called Hell of a Book by an American writer which is great. And I've only just started, but it seems to be about 
a writer who's on a book tour and can't remember what his book's about, which <laughs> seemed like a really good idea. Um, so, that sounds yeah, brilliant. they're all good. Great. All right, I'll check those out. I'll check all of those out. Fantastic. Uh, thank you very much, Georgia. Lovely to see you thank again. Thank you. you to Chris Evans for producing and all of our work and getting us through some terrible technical difficulties at the start of this. <laughs> Hopefully it's all been okay. Uh, good luck with everything. Good luck thank with the book. Thank you. It's Thanks, called, Richard. Called my Mess is a Bit of a Life. I've held it up to the camera, realising that A, it's an audio podcast, and B, my camera isn't working. But I'm holding <laughs> it up now. <laughs> Thanks, Georgia. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs>